Hey guys, it's me, but we're not going to get into the episode just yet because I want to introduce today's sponsor, and that is Anchor. Anchor is what I use to upload and distribute my podcast on platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, but you can also use it to record and edit an episode right from your computer or phone for free. You can also use it to make money from your podcast without a minimum listenership. All you need to get started on your podcast is all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. See you soon. What's up, guys? Welcome back to season two of The Bonnet Talks. <laughs> I cannot believe that it's been four months since the launch of this podcast. Guys, think about this. I started this podcast in the middle of quarantine in April. I think it was like late April. Can you imagine that much time has passed? Today's episode marks the 15th episode of the show, and I can't believe how much has changed in the past few months in my own personal life and with the show. The show's just evolving from what it started off as, and I'm just so, so grateful and blessed for all the support that you guys have given to the show, and I'm just so excited to continue to grow and bring new stuff. Considering that there are some huge changes happening in my personal life, such as me moving to a new city, going to grad school, I felt like it was only fitting to start a new season of the show to reflect that. I'm so excited for the guests that are to come, guys. The new segments that are coming, they're going to be so fun. Oh my gosh, you're not going to want to miss an episode, so make sure that you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or following the page on Spotify. We still air every Monday, so keep an eye out for that. And if you have the opportunity, please, 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 leave a review of the podcast on the Apple Podcast page for the Bonnet Talks. It really helps me out. And maybe, just maybe, your review might be a featured on my Instagram page or or mentioned in the podcast. So make sure you write a review if you haven't yet. And yeah, enough of me yabbing. It's time to introduce the first guest of season two, and that is Drumroll. That was like the worst drumroll ever, guys. <laughs> But the guest is my friend, Samantha Fayher. It felt like that drum roll was so disrespectful. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> I'm so very excited to have Sam on the show. We sit down to discuss her cool role as assistant to the editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine, the creation of her online boutique, The Brunch Club, and her many other hats. She provides some great insight as to how she channeled her energy into landing her dream entry-level job and how she gained the confidence to make her professional life choices. Now, we can't talk about work life without talking about recognizing and resolving burnout. So we also dive into that a little bit towards the end as well. You know, I'm so happy that I finally virtually met Sam and I can't wait until I can visit her in New York City one day. Keep killing it, Sam. You're doing amazing. And I hope you guys really enjoy the episode and I hope you guys are really going to enjoy season two of the Bonnet Talks. I am just, again, so, so proud of what the show has become, and I'm so happy with the little community that we're building here. Hope you guys have a good week, and I will talk to you very soon. Bye! Girl, Sam! Nice to meet you. I feel like I, we know each other. <laughs> I know. I feel like... I, <laughs> I think that's... Before, like, coming into this, I was, like, prepping and everything, and I was like, wait, I feel like I know Sam, but then, like, I don't know you. So, like, why am I even stressing about <laughs> It's fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so excited to finally like e-meet you and chat and just like catch up on things and see how you're doing because you've been doing so amazing. I feel like you've had a lot of growth development and I'm like, I don't know you personally, but I feel like I've been there like through it all. <laughs> 
So I've just been so just so excited to chat with you and just like actually see how you're doing like actually and um just see like what's been going on. So that's why I was like, you know what? Let us bring her on the show. Let's see how she's doing. Like you know, yeah. you're the best. Well, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. No problem at all, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Bonnet Talks. I have my friend Samantha Fay here with me today. I feel like I've known her. I think it's been a year since I actually, we've been like DMing and stuff. Um, and I want to take the chance to say how we met. We were live tweeting or live um, like, you know, Instagram storying, whatever you want to call that about The Bachelor. <laughs> yes, classic way for me to meet someone. Yeah. And you were saying the tea and I was like, okay, wow, this girl, like actually she knows what's up because everyone was making excuses on Twitter. And I was like, this is why I need to get my, my info from Instagram now. This is it. So... <laughs> It was the best way to meet somebody. I think you DM'd me in like all caps and I DM'd back in all caps and that was just it. <laughs> that was just the end of it. Yeah. So definitely I loved that. And I loved what you were doing with that. And please continue when it comes back, whenever it does, I don't know what they're doing with that. Especially with the Black Bachelor coming up, you better be live. <laughs> the actual most gorgeous human being on the face of the earth, nonetheless. I was like, uh, so I think I, I posted this on my story, but my mom signed me up for the show. So, yeah. So she was like, she, first of all, hates that I watched The Bachelor. She's like, I hate that you watch this. Like, she doesn't, and she's, she's an immigrant parent. She's from Ghana. So she literally has no idea. She just sits, like, sits down and sees me watching a show of people just making out with different people all the time. She's like, what, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, please ask any questions, Bob, please. And then, so what, on the news or something, I think she said she saw it, and she just all she saw was that it was a black guy for the first time, and she found a way to go online and register me. So maybe you can live tweet or whatever about me. Yes, <laughs> I would kill for that. That would be my <laughs> ultimate dream. I can't. One of the things that I always do on this show is talk about you know the past week and what we want to do going forward as well. So. What is something that you are proud of accomplishing this past week? And then what is something you'd like to improve upon for the next week? Okay. So this past week, this one sounds small, but it feels really big to me. So I'm just going to say it. And I think it's something healthy that everybody can and should do every once in a while. I unfollowed a bunch of accounts on Instagram that were making me feel like shit. Yay! Applause, applause, applause. Oh my God. It's okay. You know, someone else posted about that too. It was, I think it was another influencer, but I was talking to my friend and we were having this conversation about how shitty people can literally just make you feel just indirectly, just like, and you have so much control over that. You don't realize it until it's like one day it's like, why am I following this person? A hundred percent. And I think there are a lot of ways people do it unintentionally, right? Like they out here trying to make me feel bad but you know every time I see like some girl like showing off her abs after like a three-hour workout and being like yeah. it's not that hard I'm like yeah. you know it is hard yeah. Leave me alone. I feel attacked no. so sometimes they're just you know accounts like that or like people who maybe you weren't friends with but you felt obligated to follow them and maybe you like didn't have a great experience with yeah. them like but you're un- afraid to unfollow them because like you kind of knew them that yep. kind of Every once in a while, it's good to just clear it out and make sure that your feed is just giving you things that make you feel good. No, exactly. And especially, you know, because you just don't realize how much that has an impact on you and at the end of the day, because you're like subconsciously thinking about those things. And it's like, who has the time for that? If I have control over what I see and like what's in my environment, then you're gone. Like, if you don't make the cut, girl. Spark joy, I'm going to Marie Kondo you. <laughs> yes, you're, you're out. Bye. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> 
A hundred million percent. Um, and then for next week, what can I improve next week? Oh, I want to get through my to-do list without letting the little things divert me too much. Um, I am a perfectionist and sometimes I will zero in on the tiniest details. And at the end of the day, I still have a full to-do list. It'll totally derail me. And I think next week I'm just going to try to, um, you know, find peace with my almost perfect work and keep pushing through the list. Yeah. And you know what? It's because I'm, I'm the same exact way. And that's something that was one of the things that I wanted to improve on a few weeks ago. Um, still working on it. Let's, was that a, whatever, a week? (laughs) Permanent work in progress. Um, you know, but definitely I totally agree. And it's because you just have so much passion for what you're doing. You know, you want to make sure it's done well. It's something, especially when it comes to the work that you do, for example, or just like anything that you're passionate about, it's something that represents you, right? So you want to make sure that you're, you're part, you're looking at every single detail, but at the end of the day, it can drive you nuts. And then it's not really efficient at the end of the day. So 100%. I agree. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, that's something that, so for me, I think that's something to improve on, on top of what I'm going to say, but something that I am very proud of this past week, I also thought this was small, but then I was like, yeah, I'm just going to say it anyway. But I actually took a break. Like, actually. Like, I watched Netflix. <laughs> Girl, you deserve that. I never, first of all, I've had Netflix for how long now? First of all, I've had Netflix for how long now? I feel like just for so long. I never use it because I'm just like, and yet I'm paying for it. So I'm like, all right. Okay. I, I was like, I had to sit down and binge watch like three, four seasons of show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and you know, it's funny because everyone says, Oh, yeah, I binge watch the show. I'm like, How do you guys have where, where did you find the time? How did you make that time? I'm like, oh, Okay, yes, <laughs> I'm like, Sure. So, but then, um, I actually found a show that I liked, um, on Netflix, and then I just found myself doing that, and I was like, Oh, well, here we are. And I at first, I felt so bad. And I was like, you know, there was so much I could have done, especially with social media. I feel like you, you, one of the number one things is consistency and timeliness. And so when you miss that shot to post, it feels like that's it. Like you've missed that chance. And so when you're in doing work like this and you take a break, it could be really detrimental to like your engagement, to your following, whatever it is. And it sounds so like so dramatic right now. I swear it's not that dramatic, but oh, that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, so I have like a peak time every night, which is I'm sure exactly what you're talking about. And if it's 10 minutes too late, sometimes like my mom will be like, why did your mood just change? And I'm like, I missed the Instagram window. And she's like, what does that even mean? And I'm like, my followers are offline now. She's like, it's been 10 minutes. They're probably still there. Well, my phone says they're not, and I don't want to hear it from you. It changes your, it'll mess you up for like a day and then, you know, you catch up tomorrow, but sometimes it pushes your content calendar back and that's. Yes, exactly. You can't like rag on yourself for actually taking a break for once. And like, that's part of your job is also being able to recharge so that you could put in that 110 passion that we were just talking about. Yeah. So I was, that's something that I was definitely very proud of this week. And something that I want to improve on is like claiming what I'm good at in the sense of like, you know, like with imposter syndrome, you want to be modest, you know, make you think that you aren't really good at at those things or you're not doing well. And I've gotten a lot better at this, but just this past week, I've recognized, I actually said to myself these things, which sounds like so cheesy, like saying this stuff out loud, but it's true. (laughs) 
to. You have to. And so this past week, I was just saying to myself, I was like, wait, I'm actually like so good at this. And like, why am I ba- like, why am I sitting? Yeah, snaps. So why am That's I sitting back acting like I'm not? Like claim it, do what you need to do, say it and be bold about it. And, you know, just be 100% authentically yourself. You can always improve and grow when it comes to that kind of thing because people will put you down and things will happen and you just have to remind yourself um, and have that positive self-talk. So totally. you yeah. have to be your own biggest fan. Yeah, ex- exactly. 100%. So that is what I'm going to improve on this week. We'll see how it goes next week. <laughs> I'll let you guys know. Okay. Um, yes, I'll let you know, Sam. <laughs> that we're going to get right into the nitty gritty. I want to let you introduce yourself. Tell us your background, what you've been doing, what you've been up to. And yeah, take it away. Sure. My name is Sam. Um, I graduated from Elon University in December of 2018 with a degree in journalism and multimedia authoring. Um, I am a content creator on Instagram and YouTube and sometimes TikTok, which I'd rather not even talk about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Whatever. Um, I am the editorial assistant and the assistant to the editor-in-chief at Cosmopolitan Magazine. Um, I run an online boutique called Brunch Club. I'm a freelance consultant. And did I miss anything? I think I got them all. You're insane. You're actually crazy. I'm insane. Oh, also, I'm insane. <laughs> also, yes, profession. And number five. <laughs> no, the fact that you had all those different jobs at once. How are you not like going crazy? Or are you? You're no, not- I am. <laughs> No, I totally am. Um, someone asked me yesterday, like, how do I manage my time? And I was like, you think I'm managing my time? <laughs> nice. I can believe that. Um, <laughs> no, it's crazy. But something you said earlier really rung true for me, which is that I literally give so many shits about everything I do. Um, I'm just really happy when I'm working on something I love. And I think you are really lucky when you get to make money on your passion project. Like I consider everything I'm doing a passion project and then I get a paycheck and I'm like, Oh yeah, I also get paid. Like that's cool. Um, it's like a bonus at the end of the week. So it, it is less for me about like blocking out my moments to like work and moments to relax and more about like, I just care so much about what I'm doing that when I'm working, I'm really happy. And so, you know, Everyone needs like mental health breaks and time to recharge, but um, my work doesn't make me unhappy, so it doesn't feel draining the way I think a lot of people's jobs traditionally do. Yeah, we can see that in the content that you're creating. Seriously, you we can tell how passionate you are. And the thing is with you, I just feel like you're very genuine in the sense that you're not afraid to share your knowledge or share your passion. So you're not just like putting out this content into the world, but you're also saying, hey, I also want you to be your best self. And I also want you to put out you know, what you think is valuable to the rest of the world so that you could be just as happy as I am. And I, it's something that it's very visible, especially, you know, you started a YouTube channel back in March. Remember that? And I'm so glad you did because you were posting sporadically before, like, or like once every, know, like, like years. once every like six months. I was like, can you make a YouTube video? <laughs> it's like, oh, she's back. Okay. Okay. No. And what stood out to me with that was at first, so you, I think you just recently got your like Canon G7X, whatever, what, like camera you got. So now you're like, it's right back there. Can you see it? <laughs> So she's, yep, she's all professional now. She's like, okay. um, but something that stood out to me was that in those first few videos, right, you, it was literally just you sitting at your desk or ta- whatever it was in front of the window, 
filming on, was it your, your phone? Yeah. On, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Really your phone. And it was, that was it. It's just, it was just you talking and being yourself. You really just put what you had to say out there. You shared your story with, about working at Cosmo. The reason why it worked, I feel like it was because you are you and you were authentically yourself from the beginning and you didn't need a G Canon G7X camera to, or whatever editing to do anything. Um, and I really showed through and I, I could tell, I can tell how happy you are. Thank you so much. That feels really good. I think a lot of people, you know, when they're seeing you put your whole life on social, they feel like they know you. And so, mm -hmm. you know, my DMs can be a really scary place sometimes. A lot of <laughs> unsolicited opinions and that kind of stuff. And a lot of them are like really, con like a lot of my feedback that I get from my followers is really constructive. Some of it's really positive. Some of it's like you can improve here. And I value that so much because it, like my... Like, why am I on Instagram talking to 50,000 people every day? I'm not doing it for me. Like, I am not 50,000 people. I'm doing it for the 50,000 people who follow me. So if I'm not getting that feedback, I don't know how I can best serve those people. So when I do get the feedback, no matter what it is, um, it really helps me to create content for those people. And the truth is, like... I don't care if you guys like love what I'm wearing one day. Like I want to be able to have like real honest conversations about important shit with people. Mm -hmm. And you know, if like if a TV commercial is not reaching you or like some article on the internet is not reaching you, like, and I'm the way to reach you, if I'm the way this, these right. you know, social justice resources get to you, then good. Like you need to get them somehow. And if I can be a vehicle for that kind of stuff, that's what I'm here to do. And it makes me really happy. And thank you for saying those things because sometimes I get in my head and I'm like, I'm not doing it. And it really helps to hear from somebody that you are doing it sometimes. No. I really hard not to cry during this whole podcast. <laughs> 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 <to> keep it chill. <laughs> you have like five jobs, literally four or five. Is it four? I don't know anymore. <laughs> I added, like, I keep adding them. I'm like, every, like, other day, I'm, like, complaining about my to-do list or something. And then my mom was like, okay, well, like, you just added another gig. So, like, how do you, like, how do you think your to-do list is going to respond to more work? Like, <laughs> one of the things that you are really known for is your work at Cosmo. And it's like, how does one even work at, how does, how do you even get from <laughs> that? Like, how? Like, it doesn't, I, I, it boggles my mind. And so, when did you, you know, decide to work for Cosmo? Why, why did you do it? And, you know, you got to do it right out of school, which I feel like is unheard of, honestly. Um, and so, you must have had to do a lot of, it must have been a lot of work and research put into it in order to get that, that position and to really live out your dreams, right? Because that's some, you working at a magazine, I think you had said before, was something that you've been dreaming about for so long. So, I have basically wanted to work at Cosmo since birth. Um, I always <laughs> funny like weird story about how um I was like seven or eight years old when the Devil Wears Prada came out and a lot of people's takeaway from that movie is like oh my god that editor was so mean to her assistant like what a bitch and then I came out of that being like yo they create a fantastic product and my mom was like you're seven and I was like <laughs> At the end of all of that, I, I, you know, I walked out of that movie theater being like, I want to be the editor in chief of Cosmos someday. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it, yes, a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of stuff you have to do kind of to 
educate yourself and prepare yourself for that moment when it becomes accessible. But the reason it was Cosmo for me and not any other place was that Cosmo made all of the intimidating things feel accessible. Everything mm-hmm. from like sex to voting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they used a conversational tone in their writing. They interviewed real women. They had real women interview or appear in their videos. Um, there were a lot of relatable entry points to this really important content. And no other magazine was doing that. You go anywhere else to try to read about politics and you are confused for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you were like confused about how to vote. Like, let's talk about it. And I was like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff I need. And, um, you know, for me, a lot of like the content I create and a lot of, um, you know, the jobs that I do and have like created for myself are about access, right? Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to sell clothes. So I put them at an affordable price where like college students can like pay their own way through like my boutique. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm putting out YouTube videos on how to start your own online boutique because so many people are like, how did you do that? Like, can I make money doing that? And I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of like what I care about is access and, um, you know, one thing that I always thought Cosmo was just really good at was making really intimidating information and like important information accessible to all kinds of people and mm-hmm. um, especially young people. Yeah, no. And that, that is so awesome. And I, I agree as well that it's just, they make it just so casual. And I think one of the things that I always say, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, I think it's just so easy for people to get caught up and confused. And like, we want to have these conversations. You don't know how, let's teach you. What are the ways we can make this, bring, bring it down to a personal level for you, a casual level. And I agree that, you know, Cosmo definitely is one of publications that, you know, really does that and does it well. And they're known for that. So people really go back every single time. Yeah. Recently, actually, our team put out a video um, and it was it was exactly what we're talking about. It was like, are you intimidated about like, actually acting on your like black lives matter sentiments we're like yeah you support it like theoretically but like do you know how to like go about actually like taking the steps to make yourself a better ally but also to change the system Mm -hmm. and the answer you know is we're just assuming we're like it's no so Mm -hmm. this video was a girl sitting in front of her camera walking you through a script that you can read to your elected officials on the phone and the whole thing was like Here's how to call your elected officials and make a change. Mm-hmm. You can just fill in the blanks with the causes you believe in and the names of your officials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something that I think if you just said to me when I was 18, call your elected officials and make a change, I would be like, what? How do I do that? And right. what are their phone numbers? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, what are their phone numbers? Like, what are we? <laughs> you can What's call their that? What? <laughs> their so like yeah. that video, I think that kind of content is so important for young people because when you are immobilized by the unknown, the like, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Cosmo's there for you. And Cosmo has a whole video where you can read a literal script into your phone and just fill in the blanks for what you're calling about. That kind of stuff, I think think is so important. And that is a great example of exactly what we were just talking about. Um, And that was like two weeks ago. (laughs) I love that. So this was your dream. What were some of the things that you did in order to make sure you got to that point, especially at the age that you're at? Um, Because you you graduated, what, I think we graduated around the same time. So 2019? Uh, December 2018. So I was meant to graduate with the class of 2019. And then I did a semester early. Early. You see, I need to know. So how, how did you, like, did you do that on purpose? Did you, um, like, what were the things that you did in order to get there? 
So the first one was because I was lucky enough to figure out what I wanted to do at a very young age, mm -hmm. I was able to declare my major minor right away when I got to college. Mm -hmm. um, that I think is not super common. I think a lot of people think they know what they want to do, declare, and then realize maybe that's not it. <laughs> You're like, me, as, me as a pre-med major. Oh my God. Yeah, that. <laughs> I'm a psycho. <laughs> wow. Honestly, good for you. That's just, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's too much, too much, but I'm glad you knew what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. Um, you know, I think not a lot of people are lucky enough to have exposure necessarily to the thing they think they want to do. And mm -hmm. from a very young age, my parents were like, yeah, read Cosmo. They were like, let's see all of the movies. Let's read everything we can. They were like so about immersing me in the culture of what I wanted to participate in. And that was helpful mm -hmm. for me because I was exposed to so much of it. By the time I was 18, I was like, I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it. So I was able to go right into college mm -hmm. and declare my major minor, which helped because I could start getting my credits for my major minor right away. Mm -hmm. um, so then I think it was my junior fall, I went abroad and I studied in Florence, Italy, which was a dream. Yeah, come Everything on. <laughs> Just a lot of pasta. A lot of pasta. But, you know, that experience was really enriching for me. I went, um, all of my friends went to a different city and I decided to go kind of by myself to Florence. And I did mm. that on purpose because I wanted to like have a growing experience. Yeah. Sounds cliche, but I was like, if I go live in a different country kind of by myself with no friends for four months, I'll probably come out a different person. Right. Yeah. So that was a goal. And then during that semester, I, my parents joked that I aged 10 years. They were like, you really came back an adult suddenly. <laughs> like, um, also, you know, I saw so much of the world and mm -hmm. I think it was 10 or 11 countries and 29 cities. Like that's a lot. Oh, for girl. No, that's a lot in four months. And then I came yeah. back to, um, you know, tiny little Elon, North Carolina, which I yeah. love and have so much, you know, it has a, such a special place in my heart, but the world suddenly felt like suffocating. It felt mm -hmm. very small. There was, it felt like there was not a lot out there that I could, you know, latch onto. So, right. um, you know, because I had declared my major early, I had all my ducks in a row and my advisor was like, you know, if you like really just need to get out to New York and start doing your life, then why don't you graduate early? And I was like, good idea. Right. <laughs> and that was that. So you know what? it's, it's amazing that you say that, right? Because the, especially the part where you said you went to a different city than your friends because you wanted a different experience. You really wanted to grow. And then you graduated early when all of your other friends were probably graduating in May. So you really kind of said to yourself, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I need to do in order to get there. Forget the other, uh, other distractions. Let me just focus on this. And I think a lot of the times we get so distracted and I think social media plays a part in this. We get so distracted by what other people are doing and like, we, we kind of tailor our lives to fit what they want to do, whether that be, you know, pressures from family or pressures from friends, like whatever, maybe not even pressures from friends, but you just, you just feel, you put that pressure on yourself because you're seeing them, everyone else doing something else, like the status quo kind of thing, totally. you know? Yeah. And you, you just seems, it just seems like you did what you had to do. Like, and even before going to Italy, it, maybe that was because you, you, again, you were you immerse yourself in this culture of like what you wanted to do, but you went saying that I want to be independent. This is what I want to get out of it. This is the goal. That's it. Let me just do it. Yeah. You know, I think making decisions like that, like the one to go to Italy when all of your friends are not, it sounds, you know, it sounds silly as an adult saying that, but you know, when you're in college, when you're in a sorority, when 
it's Mm -hmm. all about like fitting in and like being scared to like diverge. Um, That was a really intimidating decision to make. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when people ask me, they're like, what's the hardest decision you've ever had to make? That was, I mean, that sounds silly, but it was probably one of them. I mean, it's like, you're about to completely like let your friends go and you know, create all these memories together for five months and you're not going to be a part of them and you're going to go create your own. And it comes with a lot of other challenges. Like I was like, I had to pick random roommates because I didn't know anyone who was going on my trip. And like you then have to live with a bunch of strangers. And then, you know, you have to make friends with all of these people. Like when you're going abroad, everyone kind of goes in their friend groups. So mm-hmm. I had to like bust into friend groups to like make friends. Yeah. Um, and that kind of stuff, I think when you're young, especially is really intimidating and mm-hmm. it doesn't get I think as you get older until you've done it a couple of times. Um, but you know, that it was, there were a couple of times like graduating early too, when I had to make a tough decision to leave what I know behind in order to challenge myself and grow. And that's, that's so awesome. And it's, it's a, it's a great sense of maturity as well that I think it just, a lot of people just I feel like when it comes to these, the goal setting and stuff, I think just people forget in general, this is about you. What do you want out of this? And that's all that matters. And it's, it's honestly so hard to say that because it's like, well, again, it's the pressures of trying to fit in and all these other things. So I really applaud you for that for sure. Now, so you graduated in December, 2018. Um, and then you got this, you applied to Cosmo like around that, like right after that, where you were, were you kind of preparing like throughout the semester? Um, you know, you do that typical application, but I'm sure like that's not enough to just like, like honestly in this day and age, I feel like the application, any of that stuff, it's not enough. Like you better be like networking on LinkedIn with every yes, person on there. Like you better be like having meals yeah. with them, like paying like, <laughs> their mortgage, like them, mailing them edible arrangements, like yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> Everything. Awesome. Um, so how, yeah. yeah, so what was, what was that like for you? And it must've been, you know, stressful, like a stressful time to kind of figure out what you wanted to do and then almost have also a backup plan, not to be like you, because you have to be practical about these things, right? Because like Cosmo is huge. Right. Yeah. It's a long shot. Um, so, you know, part of why I decided to graduate early was what I told you about the world feeling suddenly small and like needing something, you know, bigger and like moving on to the next chapter of my life. But another part of it was literally that the more opportunity I gave myself to get a job at Cosmo, the better. So I figured mm. if I graduated early and there was a, an entry level position available, there would be a lot less competition in December than there would be in May when everyone's graduating. Right. So, um, part of the idea was giving myself the breathing space and giving myself the opportunity to jump on something if it came my way. Mm -hmm. And I used to say to my mom, like, if this, you know, if the job of my dreams like goes up online and I have six more months of school left, like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to forgive myself for that. That would be a complete missed opportunity. And I've spent my whole life preparing to take advantage of it when it comes. So if it had, if it came and went and I could have graduated early, but I chose not to, I would feel like the guilt of that forever. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I, in early December, the beginning of December that year, I was, I had been, you know, scrolling on LinkedIn being like, I'm graduating in two weeks. I need a job. Um, or I like, I need something. And I, you know, was constantly refreshing Cosmos pages, like just hoping that yeah, every day, day, like every day, yeah. like multiple times a day, like as if they would <laughs> every 45 minutes, like me, I don't know, literally me, like, <laughs> like, like, click, click, click. <laughs> um, 
you know, one, it was like a Saturday morning. I remember everything about this day. It was a Saturday morning and it was beautiful outside, like very sunny and warm, you know, in December, those days when there's snow on the ground, but it's like golden and like sunny and you just want to be outside because yeah. you're never outside in December. Exactly. Um, literally. Like one of those. And my roommates were all like putting on cute outfits and like, they were like pre-gaming because there was like a party, like a day party. <laughs> whatever oh my god I was like sitting in my vanity like doing my face and blasting blasting music we <laughs> had a house so like my rooms were like upstairs so yeah. I would have the music so loud so that they could do like in my room so I'm going like deaf over here and um, I just like hopped on my computer and I had all of these like alerts set so that when Hearst posted jobs I got notified yeah and I got a push notification on my screen that was like you know, positions at Cosmopolitan and whatever other companies. And I was like, <gasps> and I like clicked on it and it was, um, it was, it was the listing for editorial assistant and assistant to the editor in chief. So I literally like, like quietly, like started taking off my makeup, like putting on sweatpants and my roommates like walked in and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. And they were like, why? And I was like, the job just went up and they were we're like, oh, okay. Like, we'll lock you in your room and see you next week. I was like, cool. Wow. cool. Good <laughs> so, friends. Good I, friends. Yeah, they're supportive roommates. And so I literally spent the entire day working on my cover letter and resume. Um, obviously, I had been, you know, doing my resume and cover letter pre this moment because right. I was about to graduate. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that I always say to my clients is that your resume and cover letter need to be different for every job you apply to. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to change everything and I wanted to give myself the best opportunity possible to like seize this moment. Um, I knew I had been preparing for it for my whole life. So I was like, you know, at, at some point it's just like, if you don't get it, it's not you, you right. know, you did everything yeah. you could have done to get that and to like make it happen right. and if they don't select you then it's about what they're looking for or like there's mm -hmm. some you know like you can't beat yourself up over it because there's nothing more you could have done right so i spent the whole day you know touching up my materials and at like i like it was a it was a saturday so i didn't submit them right away i waited until sunday night at like 11:30 p.m. Mm -hmm. because i wanted it to be top of inbox when they got to work on monday morning i can't with you <laughs> Right? Like my crazy ass is no, like I would do this at eleven fifty nine. I'm sitting here just like in awe because I'm like I feel like I'm watching myself. <laughs> yeah, like ambitious girls got to do right. No, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that was that whole journey, and then you know, literally like a day later, I got a phone call from them. It was a phone call from New York. And I like normally don't answer phone numbers that I don't recognize because they're like, whatever, like solicitors and like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I just I answered it because I was like, you know, hoping, but I was like, there's no way they're calling me like 12 hours later. That would be ridiculous. Literally. And the person was like, hi, I'm calling from Cosmo. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> like, no, you're, <laughs> you're like, get out of here. No chance. Like prank call. Cool. I'm going to hang out now. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, they were like coming for an interview with Jess and she'd love to meet you. And I was like, with Jess? And, you know, I went to my interview. I flew out, went to my interview with Jess, flew back, took an exam the same night. And, um, oh. and then the next day was an edit test and the next day was a phone call. Um, with the offer. So it was a total whirlwind, but that is wow. kind of how that process went down. But, you know, I spent, you know, so it started with my major and minor and then it started with, um, you know, all throughout college, I 
did internships and mm-hmm. tried to get as much experience under my belt as possible. Um, and, you know, I think there's a really something to be said for two different kinds of internships. There's the one where you work on a really small team at maybe a publication no one's heard of or mm-hmm. like a newspaper no one's heard of or something. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's a small team and because it's not like a huge national like production, uh, mm-hmm. you get to do a lot of stuff, right? Like right. they a lot of work because it's a small team. They need all the help they can get. Um, And then there's something to be said for an internship at a big publication where they'll recognize the name and they'll know just because these people hired you and you did a good job there that they can trust you to do the same level of work. So um, there's something to be said for that mix. And I did a little bit of both along the way. And, um, you know, from there on out, it it really is about networking. And Um, I think I spent a lot of time during my internships networking. I stayed in touch with all my professors from school. Um, I, you know, all my internships were in New York city because I was born and raised in New Jersey. So, Mm. um, for me to commute back and forth or to live in the city for a couple months and just kind of bang it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really, for me was all about staying in touch with the right people, um, choosing people to kind of identify as my mentors and people Mm -hmm. who I could trust along the way to bounce ideas off of or to, you know, put in a good word if I needed like a professional recommendation, that kind of stuff. I think Mm -hmm. it really, um, it really goes a long way. So I would say it all boiled down for me to choosing my education wisely, choosing my curriculum to Mm -hmm. reflect what I wanted to do and then doing internships, getting experience and building a network. Yeah. And not, you know, and in being confident, I think too, in all of those things, that only comes with like knowing like what you want to do as well. But I feel like one of the things that, I mean, I'm getting this a sense just from you speaking, I can just sense that confidence of like, you knew what you wanted to do and you weren't going to stop till you got there. And so the fact that you, you know, this is your senior year, you could have gone out and done the day party, whatever. And that seems like so trivial, right? But it's like, when you're a senior, it's like, come on. Like, (laughs) it's like, this is the end of college for me. It was like my last weekend at college. So I was like, I'm going to go and like say goodbye to all my friends, basically. Like this, I see a lot of them. Yeah. And, and, you know, and for, for that, at that point in time, it sometimes feels like it's, it feels like the end of the world. It's like, (laughs) this is it, you know, but you knew what the priorities are and what this could potentially lead to and nothing, you weren't going to let anything get in your way. And I love that because then you can, you don't have regrets at the end of the day with this. Whole I, I think about that all the time. I was like, if I just said I'll apply later or like, if I just said, I'll do it when I get home. Or if I was just like, it's my last like party at college, I need to go do it. Mm-hmm. I would have regretted everything. Like it, yeah. I don't even know if I would know how much I'd regret it because if I didn't get it, like I wouldn't know what could have been. Right. Um, and I wanted no question marks. You know, I'm a planner and I'm a little yeah, bit of a control freak. So <laughs> I don't want any ifs. I don't want any what ifs. Like yeah. I don't want question marks. If I want to give it every ounce of what I have inside me. And then if it doesn't work out, I have truly exhausted all my resources, all my options, all my energy. But yeah. uh, if I didn't, you know, if I didn't seize that moment when it arrived, I would have regretted it forever. Oh yeah. And, and doing it with a sense of urgency saying like, you know, now I think we spend so much, we're so okay with just leaving it and saying, again, I'll do it when I get back home or whatever. So I, wow, that's honestly really incredible. And something that, you know, I love about you is again, you, you have like literally millions of jobs. So <laughs> you got this job at Cosmo, but then you have this boutique, this online boutique called the brunch club. 
And I'm just like, okay, you would think you'd get busy just working at Cosmo, first of all. Right. Like, uh, let's just be real. I am busy at Cosmo. So busy at Cosmo. (laughs) So, yeah, I just put that out there. But then you said, yeah, I'm going to start a boutique, right? So how, you know, how did that come up? Classic Sam story, but uh, I was talking to my mom literally the day I submitted the Cosmo application or maybe the day before I submitted it. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is that moment that I've spent 21 years of my life, like imagining in my head and preparing for and hoping for. And what if I don't get it? Yeah. And she said to me what I said before, which was like, if you've done everything you can, then there's no regrets. You left nothing on the table. It's just you, they were looking for something else. Mm -hmm. And, um, she did say, she was like, but you're probably going to be bored. Like you're done with school. Like there's, if you don't have a job, like what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She's like me, if you can't tell already. (laughs) So she was like, we, you know, we went back and forth and I will always, always credit her with the idea in the first place. She was like, but if you started a like a clothing store, and I was like, mm-hmm. eh, I, was like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, that sounds like a lot of work. Like yeah, yeah. I was thinking, like a YouTube channel. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And you know, not even realizing how much that work that would like how much work that yes. would to be. I was like, yeah. oh, YouTube channel, chill. Yeah. Uh, not so much. <laughs> you know, in that moment, we. Um, we talked about it a lot and we were like, okay, well, like it feels like a very natural extension of my brand. People, you know, initially it kind of all started because people wanted to see what I was wearing and mm-hmm. people discount codes. And, um, you know, there's something so special about, you know, not just feeling connected like digitally to an influencer, but like having a piece of them like to hold on to and to mm-hmm. like have in your life. And like, I was like, if I can give my followers a piece of me like mm-hmm. to wear and like to feel like that much more connected to me, then I feel like that's a really natural way for me to kind of deepen my relationship with my audience. So mm-hmm. um, we were like, okay, so if I don't get the job at Cosmo, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So uh, then I get the job at Cosmo. <laughs> um, and my mom and I were like, okay, so, and then I was like, no, I'm invested now. Like now what? Like I can't just, like we had this great idea. My mom and I do this thing where we'll like get excited about an idea and then like immediately start doing it and it's all we can think about and like we right. can't like have conversations about anything else because like we're so excited about it yeah, yeah. Oh. it was like we just you know I got the job at Cosmo like three days later and in those three days we had already gotten knee deep in like planning yeah. we had a name we had like gotten invested we were like oh my god this person we should like name an outfit after this person who like dms me all the time you know and like yeah so we got really invested yeah. And we were just like, we can't not do it now. So yeah. I was working full-time at Cosmo. And then at night I was working full-time for my store. Yeah. And now I'm doing those things on top of other things. Yeah. And it keeps like, there's more and more, but it, yeah. it all comes from a place of just, I want to give my followers more. It's, it's not, it's not even that I would get bored. I could never get bored even with one full-time job, just content right. or just Cosmo or just mm-hmm. the store. But, um, it's about feeling like I just have so many things that I want to give my followers and so many ways that I want to reach them and so many ways I want to connect with them that, you know, I want to, I want to be able to offer them all those things. And mm-hmm. so I do it. Yeah. You yes. go for it. Oh my gosh. And so what was the, what was when you're balancing all these things, like what, how do you, how do you do that transition? Because number one, 
it's not easy to transfer from college into a work setting, right? There's already a lot of learning curves. You're like editor in chief's assistant. Like you have to build that relationship. That might be stressful. And then on top of that, you're balancing this online store, trying to navigate the retail space, learning a lot of different things about business that, you know, you've already kind of been a businesswoman through your influencer role, but now this is a completely new, different avenue. As someone who works in fashion merchandising right now, I totally, I, it's a lot, it's a lot to think about. Um, and so, and then on top of that, you have like your personal stuff that you go through just in that transition. Um, that's just very difficult. So what was it like trying to handle all of it? Like what were some of the things that you would have to tell yourself to, you know, keep going and, and maintaining that, um, and not lose sight of what you wanted to do. Cause it can be very, when the transition is hard like that, it can be very easy to be like, all right, like I tap out, like yeah, <laughs> over. Yeah. Totally. Um, you know, the transition for me was not too bad. And okay, I okay. say that because I don't want anyone to think that it like should be easy or that it should be something like you like want in your life. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people really, um, you know, dread that transition, especially like the transition from college to like real world adult. Right. Um, for me, I had kind of been waiting for that moment my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, transition and change are very fundamental to my happiness and my success. Mm-hmm. Um, some people think it's because I'm a Gemini, but actually, but you know, I just, I have a big personality. I have a ton of curiosity. I have an excitement about and a passion for trying new things and accepting new challenges. Mm-hmm. And I get really bored with when work gets stale. If I'm doing the same thing every day, bored. Yeah. And then when I'm bored, I give it like 50%. And I'm, yep. I choose to give it like 150% every day. So it really, for me, it's more draining if I'm kind of stuck in like a rut as opposed to, you know, the new change brings, it does bring a lot of challenges. But I think um, I'm somebody who like would choose those challenges over the alternative every single day. Um, And I realize that's not really constructive advice, but I do think you can reframe your mindset to feel that way about new challenges and about transitions. Um, I think a lot of people are scared of change. And Mm -hmm. um, there are times when change is scary for everybody. For example, when we got sent home from work in February and they were like, yeah, we don't know when you're coming back. And then a disease started killing people and then hornets started killing people. And like, it just kept coming. That kind of change is scary for everybody because it's not one that you expect. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, if I have time to prepare for a transition, then I am very confident in my ability to kind of cre- like build from the ground up a mentality mm-hmm. of kind of embracing it as opposed mm-hmm. to fearing it. Um, and I find that when I really embrace a challenge and face it head on, it's not as scary or hard as it might seem initially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you step back and kind of let it build up in front of you until it's this big, huge thing that's coming tomorrow and you have no idea what you're doing and you right. have to jump on it. That's when it gets really scary. But if you from day one say like, I'm going to attack this and like, I'm going to get this, I'm going to crush it. Then you can start preparing from that day one. Um, It's kind of like when I was able to declare my major on day one of college, like I knew what I wanted to do. I decided to attack it head on. So day one, I was like, I can start now. And then, you know, if you don't know what you want to do, maybe you start sophomore year and then you have to rush to play catch up. Um, So I think it all for me comes back to being a crazy planner and to Mm -hmm. a little bit of a control freak and just wanting, (laughs) wanting to, you know, to know, even though, you know, 
I want to know things throughout the unknown. I want to know, um, you know, my own value and believe in myself enough to attack those things head on instead of waiting for them to attack me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is kind of the mentality that really got me through that period. No. And I love that because I think that's a very different perspective um, than what has been previously talked about on the show. Because I think the general consensus with people is just like, post-grad is scary as fuck. Like, let's just be real. Like, it's just scary. So when people share these experiences, like, you know, they they share those difficulties and things like that. But I think you know, this is great because you're sharing it from the perspective of like, I acknowledge that. Yeah, it's scary. Like we know that, like we know these things are going to happen or maybe you, maybe you don't know what life is going to throw at you like a pandemic. Right. But then I love that you're saying that you take it piece by piece because that's what we can handle right now. And at the end of the day, you're building that stronger mentality from the beginning, right? So when something does happen and something does get thrown at you, you are prepared to handle these, those things. Or if you don't feel like you're prepared, you know that, okay, like this is crazy right now, but it will be okay. And I feel like it's going to be okay because Uh I've built that right for myself. And I love that. I love that. And I think that's something that can be, it should be applied not only to post-grad or whatever. It's just something in life in general that when it comes with every phase, with every new thing that we're, we're doing, whether it's a new point in our career or, you know, whether it's starting a family, even how starting a relationship, those are different things that we build ourselves for. And we create these tools for ourselves based on how we perceive things or how we handle things. And, you know, all the have knowing those things helps us to really best prepare us and be successful for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that, you know, from the beginning, you know, you didn't know you were going to get the job at Cosmo. You didn't know what the brunch club was going to be like, but you said, you know what, like I'm going to do it and try my best. I'm not going to stop. A lot of the times, and I always say this on the show, we limit ourselves. Like we tell ourselves we can't do it. And it's like, why do we, why do we put pressure on ourselves? Where do we get that from? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And if you build up those tools from the beginning and just take it piece by piece, what is, you know, doing all of these different things and going through these transitions taught you about yourself personally and professionally? Mm, So much. So personally, um, you know, I think I have found that I really am my happiest when I'm doing it all, even, Mm. you know, those sleepless nights and those stressful, like wake, you know, waking up in a cold sweat at 5 a.m. thinking it's like noon and you're like late to something. <laughs> you know, even through all of that, it's, it's that I'm my happiest when I'm keeping myself busy doing things I love. Um, they are all things I have cared about so immensely and so deeply for such a long time. Mm. And I just feel really the most fulfilled when they're all in my life. I don't think I could give one up and still feel whole. Mm. Um, so that's something I've learned about myself personally. And then professionally, I would say that, I mean, it kind of is the same, but, but that passion is 100% of the battle. Um, in the beginning, it's about mm-hmm. like, not just really wanting it, but really caring about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, specifically whatever it is, um, and putting, putting in the work on the back end to prepare yourself to take full advantage of that moment when it arrives. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and then throughout that manifests itself in different ways. So you know, loving it more and more as you do it more and more because, you know, it's your, it's your jam. Um, I think so often people want a job because it sounds cool or it seems fun or it gives you clout, but then 
the people who end up really happy are the people who bust their butts doing it. Um, and, you know, they don't love just the product or just the title, but also the work that goes into producing that. Right. No, I totally agree with that. And that that's the motivation that keeps you there. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the time I feel like, you know, and it, it's good. I think what's amazing about this phase in our lives is that, you know, you can try out different things and realize like what works and what doesn't. Nothing is like a mistake. Nothing, like there's no regrets, honestly. It's just a matter of like figuring out what will get you closer to what you're passionate about to the point where it's like you are caring about the process. <clears throat> you are caring about the product, the process, everything, like the people who are a part of it, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what makes you truly happy. Because at the end of the day, too, you're giving eight hours of your intellectual capacity to this company or this passion of yours. And if it leaves you empty at the end of the day or feeling emotionally drained, like you don't want to, you don't want to do that. Um, and so I, I totally agree. And that's something that I've learned too in the past year. And I've learned how to describe and advocate for myself in terms of what I like to do and like what I want to go into. And then being able to channel <clears throat> that energy into what I want to do. Right. So, and that's very hard because it's like, how do you even describe what you want? As you said, someone is a job sounds cool, right? You might get clout for it from it, but does it, is it really going to make you feel fulfilled because someone else thinks that's cool? Or do you think that's cool? Is that something you're passionate about? Uh, because at the end of the day too, you have to, once you have the job, you have to maintain the job, right? And when you, your, your best work comes out when you're passionate about it. So if you're just kind of going day by day and it's not really something you like to do, it's going to show in the work that you do and in the way you interact with people as well in the workplace. Um, so I, I, completely, I completely agree with you on that um, for sure. Since you are so busy and doing all these things, I think that's what helps you almost based on what you're saying to maintain being able to manage all of that because you are, again, you are passionate about it and you do care about each and every single one of them. It's not like you're half-assing anything really. Um, and so I, th- I think it's so, so important. And I can, I can just clearly see that you are just genuinely so happy and passionate about all of it. And, and I feel like too, even if you weren't, if there was a point where you weren't, I, I can sense that you'd be just so honest with yourself and know that, okay, like this was good for this part, but like, this is what I want to do next. And that's okay. And no regrets. I hope I'm, I'm right in saying that. Totally. I think allowing yourself to evolve is part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, boxing yourself in is dangerous because it allows for stuff like burnout. And, um, you know, that kind of contributes that, you know, deteriorates your passion over time. Um, if you are just like tirelessly plugging away at the same thing and, and choosing not to let yourself evolve, even though maybe something's pulling you in a different direction, that's what creates burnout. And, um, you know, I think a lot of our generation is afraid of that because we start so young and it's so competitive that, you know, we feel all this pressure to begin now or to begin yesterday, or if we didn't begin yesterday to Mm -hmm. feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so I think it, there's something to be said for kind of letting yourself evolve within whatever path you decide to take and, mm-hmm. um, you know, not necessarily following the path of the person who came before you or this person who you idolize, but really letting your brain and your heart choose the path that's right for them. Mm-hmm. But you posted something on your Instagram story and this, what we're talking about reminds me of this. And you said, it was a quote and it said, stop measuring your days by degree of productivity and start experiencing them by degree of presence. Mm -hmm. So 
you're so busy. You, you prioritize things by things you love. You've decided like the four or five jobs, 10 million jobs is what you like. <laughs> you know, you're like, what do you do for fun? I'm like my jobs. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> my all my side hustles. What do you mean? This is like, what? <laughs> but you know, I, it made me really think because as someone who is managing all these things at once, but then you are forced to stop because of quarantine and like all these different things going on, and you're forced to like reflect and think. Why did you really strongly relate with this quote? I guess is my first question. And then how did you use the moments that we've had in 2020 to really reevaluate whether or not you were measuring your days by degree of productivity? Um, and then what did you do to start make, to make that lifestyle change? So um, the reason that quote really resonated with me is because I have been really hard on myself lately. Mm. Um, I think, you know, with everything that's going on right now, right? Like everything, it feels mm -hmm. like everything is yeah. happening. Um, it kind of feels sometimes like the world is falling apart and it's a full-time job just to keep going every day, mm -hmm. to wake up and like be your normal self every day. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure as a content creator to be working triple time right now because mm -hmm. like I said, right. like now that people can't be in person, they're all on their phones. So they right. need something to look at. And if your content is what they're looking at, that's good for your business. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have been hard on myself lately because I am trying to put extra effort into all of my jobs at once. And, you know, with the volume of work that I have, that's not always physically possible. Um, there are 24 hours in the day and um, there are days in a row when I don't get to something that I should have gotten to a week ago. And okay. I, you know, am so deadline oriented, partly because of the industry that I chose to work in. I grew up and I like learned how to do what I do. Um, on a deadline based schedule. And so, you know, there are some times when deadlines are flexible and other times when they are not. And I am really, um, you know, lately have been beating myself up over it when I miss one. And, you know, I think you can't beat yourself up, but you, when you're working on a deadline for someone else, that's not a personal deadline. You, you really need to try to honor that and honor that commitment. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of what keeps me going, right? Is that like everything I do is not a commitment to myself, it's a commitment to my followers, to my mm -hmm. readers, to whoever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, I really feel that like extra ounce of guilt when I am not following through on that commitment or honoring that commitment properly. And when I drop mm -hmm. a ball, um, normally I'm able to just like bounce back, be like, I'm so sorry, won't happen again, fix it and move on. But, mm -hmm. you know, during quarantine when there's already so much emotional energy going to just like surviving, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> then there's like less emotional energy to spend, um, you know, kind of hyping yourself back up and bouncing back from those kind of pitfalls. So I have been beating myself up and that quote just kind of to me was like, I literally have been living by deadlines and, um, you know, valuing myself at the number of check boxes I make on my to-do list every day. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. has, you know, this weekend, some, um, you know, unexpected things like came into my life that I had to deal with urgently and I wasn't able to get to my whole to-do list for the weekend. And, you know, now it's Monday. And so I go back to Cosmo and I go back to my full-time jobs and, um, you know, the kind of window of time when I was able to do those things kind of disappears until next weekend. Mm -hmm. And so it really does set me back when I can't get through that to-do list. And so, um, I think I need, I'm, one thing I'm working on is like valuing myself less by the to-do list and less by how many check boxes and, you know, more by, um, 
you know, by the way I handle the mistakes that I make when I make them, right. uh, handling them gracefully and being genuine in my apology and then actually fixing it and following through and not continuing to push it off and, um, right. holding up to it, you know, and, and yeah. being graceful about it. So, um, that's kind of what that quote meant to me. And it was, it was important to me to share that because I think a lot of people right now are, um, beating themselves up because they don't realize that, you know, you mentioned like all of the really profoundly impactful moments that we are experiencing throughout not just quarantine, but like all of 2020, which has been a dumpster fire. Um, (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Like all of these moments that we're experiencing, people don't realize that they drain you emotionally, even if they don't impact your like daily life. Right. Right. So, um, you know, even if you're in like a small suburban town where you didn't see a racial justice protest, Mm -hmm. uh, Or, you know, even if you're in a rural area where COVID is like not really a thing and you Mm -hmm. haven't seen a neighbor in a week, like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, You know, I think people don't always realize that just the stress of what's going on in the world and having to bear that cross as a human is exhausting. And nobody, um, you know, nobody nowadays is willing to give themselves the same flexibility that they are other people. Like if else makes a mistake and like Mm -hmm. this is like forgets to follow up on an email to me they'll apologize to me profusely I'm like girl I am also doing that to people like stop apologizing to me I don't need you to apologize but then when I do that I think about it for a month (laughs) me too me too everybody right now. And um, I think, you know, being vulnerable about that experience that I'm having with myself is really important for my followers to see, because if they really do look to me as an example or a role model, then they need to see my evolution of being really hard on myself to, you know, like not just like forgiving myself and moving on, but like Mm -hmm. taking accountability and then forgiving myself and moving on Um, and, you know, making it right first and then being like, okay, don't dwell on that. Like it happened and you fix it over. Um, I think that evolution is important for people to witness if I'm somebody they look up to because they need to know that, um, that that process is a more productive one than the one where you just beat yourself up for a month over something that you fucked up and, you know, Mm -hmm. you get over it and you feel this like overwhelming guilt. Um, And so I think taking that process and applying it to all of these different moments is really important. Like, you know, there, there are a lot of cases, I think when, um, you know, a lot of people right now are learning about racial justice and equality and inclusivity now in a way that they never have before. A lot of this stuff, doesn't show up in your history books, which is part of the broken system. Mm -hmm. It all feeds back into itself. And um, I think now a lot of people are like feeling this like white guilt and like, you know, beating themselves up over mistakes they maybe made when they were younger or Mm -hmm. dumber or last week or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, before they really were exposed to the content they're exposed to now, before they really started trying to educate themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a huge difference between like just feeling guilty and like apologizing for it and taking actionable steps to Mm -hmm. become a better person so that it doesn't happen again. Again, Right. And, you know, it it really is a process and it's a total learning curve and a lot of people are experiencing right now, but I think it's a process that can be applied cross industry, cross platform, cross moment, cross experience. Mm -hmm. It really transcends all of the boundaries and is just own up to it, take accountability, 
fix it and do better next time. Yeah, um, exactly. That yeah. kind of constant improvement and constant growth is what makes us human, and it's what makes us better humans ten years from now. Right, and it's it's taking that accountability accountability that's so hard because it's like you're admi- admitting a weakness almost, or that you did something that wasn't the greatest kind of thing. And like, how do people perceive you, or how do you view yourself? And it's very hard, but I think that's what speaks to people at the end of the day is that like you're you've recognized i think that's always my thing is like why don't people and i do this with myself it's like why like be accountable it happened so that's it like you just gotta you gotta do it moment in your life it happened and the correct way to approach it is not to be like oops or like to bury it in other good good stuff you did to Mm -hmm. make like you're not a bad person like mm-hmm. you know the way you become not a bad person is by owning up to it and fixing it exactly no i, I agree 100 and it's definitely something that you know any everyone is learning right now whether it's in this context or it's just you know try, like making sure that it's okay like making yourself not feel guilty by not completing your to-do list or anything like that i was i was thinking about the other day when because you you just moved to new york city or new you've been living in new york city but you moved to a new apartment right yeah so Sam, Sam and I were DMing and she was like, I'm so sorry. Like I was supposed to email you back. I literally was like, Sam, you are moving to a whole new apartment in the city in the middle of a pandemic. Back. <laughs> it's, Back. it's okay. And um, it, it was making me think. And I was, I also was thinking about how I would have reacted in that situation if it was me. I'm someone who says sorry for everything. Everything. And everyone's like, stop apologizing. And then I'm like, sorry. And they're like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like so no, and it we just need to cut ourselves a break sometimes, you know, hold ourselves accountable, but sometimes we're human beings, it's okay. Like it's fine. Well, I like you can't grow if you don't fuck up first, right? Yes. So like yeah. you're gonna mess up and you know, you learn things along the way and then, you know, you reflect on those moments and you're like, oh shit, now that I know this, that was really stupid. But like, you didn't know that before. So Mm -hmm. you do something, later realize it's wrong and then you grow from it. If you never mess up, you stay in the same place. Uh, This great quote that I really love, there's an artist on Instagram called Mm subliming.jpg. That's her account and she's just super talented graphic artist. And um, she does quotes, I think, I think her pronouns are she, her, but if I'm mistaken, then I will correct myself in the future. But, Mm -hmm. um, she, she doesn't take like requests for quotes. She designs what resonates with her in a moment. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure there are a million people out there being like, design this because it means a lot to me. And she's Mm -hmm. like, but it means nothing to me. So, um, she puts out stuff that she really cares about and that really resonate with her. And one of the quotes that I saw that she designed a long time ago was the quote was, would you rather the pain of growth or the pain of staying in the same place? And that is so relevant right now. I think a lot of people are sitting in this discomfort with who they are maybe as people or mm-hmm. how they behaved in the past or, mm-hmm. or, you know, like even like little tiny things like, Oh, I like fucked that up and I feel like an idiot, but mm-hmm it is uncomfortable to change and to evolve and to grow. Mm -hmm. And it's so much better than staying at the same level forever and sitting with the discomfort of that. 
ugh, I could never bear with just being the same. It's a hard lesson that we're all learning in 2020. I'm telling you, like, it's, 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 we're all being forced to really confront a lot of things, a lot of things. But I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, people will be happy. We're going to look, look back at this year and laugh. I feel like it was, just um, yeah, I, mean, I hope, I hope, <laughs> I, I, I can't know. do it. There's not a lot of things to laugh at currently. Maybe yeah, yeah. next decade. We'll, yeah. Like, like when the wounds close up a little bit, then we'll laugh. Maybe 2030 will be like, wow, yeah, that was a really good time. Sam, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, this was such a great talk. And I honestly can see so much of myself in you. So as you were speaking, I was literally just in awe because I was like, I just, I, I literally feel like I'm just watching That's myself. Same. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming. You're always welcome back anytime. Um, and I wish you all the best. Thanks no. for having me. I just, this is so fun and it's so refreshing to have conversations like this where, um, you know, you reflect on yourself and you get to share what you've learned along the way. I feel like, like we were talking about, that's what it's all about. It's about growing. And so as much of our lives that we can share with other people, the better. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so, so much. And thank I'll you. talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. bye.